Welcome to day four of week one of our look through the book of Joshua. We're going to look at verses 10 to 18 today. These first few days in the study of this book, we've looked at how promises are born. We've looked at what do you do? You might picture it this way in your mind. What do you do when you're on the borders of God's promise? Just like they were on the borders of the promised land. What do you do when you're on the borders of God's promise? How do you begin to trust? How do you begin to enter in? As, as we said yesterday, this is not a once-in-a-lifetime issue. This is a daily issue in our lives as believers. And we begin to learn about this in the first chapter of Joshua. First, as God commands Joshua, we learn. And now, as Joshua commands the people, we learn some very practical, very real things about how you and I begin to live God's promises. There is a wealth of teaching in these verses we're going to look at today about how to live God's promises in your life, just the practical truth. First in verses 10 to 11, listen to these verses. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Very simple verses, very simple word of leadership from Joshua. He hears what God has to say, he passes it on to the people. And as he passes it on, just the simple things that he says remind us, picture for us, how you and I begin to receive God's promises, live God's promises in our life. To receive a promise is not just to hear it, that's hearing it. To receive it means you open it up. It's like receiving a gift. I haven't really received it until I open it up, I get it out, and I begin to use it. How do I receive God's promises? There are four things that happen here. First, he says, you gather your supplies. Second, he says, wait three days. Third, he says, take possession of the land. And fourth, he says, the Lord is giving you this land. Let's just walk through those. Number one, gather supplies. Tell the people, get your supplies ready. So first, you have to ready yourself to receive God's promises. Sometimes in our lives, God's promises are lacking because we don't ready ourselves. We don't take the time, like we talked about yesterday, to meditate on God's word. We don't take the time to pray. We don't take the time to be around God's people. We spend all of our time in some hobby that's fun to us, but then there's an emptiness that comes alongside of that because all you have is the fun. You don't have any significance in life. You don't have any fulfillment in life. Your relationships are shallow. You feel like the dreams that you have are just waiting year after year. You need a different kind of way of thinking of life. And this idea of gathering supplies It's really the picture for you and I of getting ready to receive God's promise. What does that mean for you? How do you need to pray differently? How do you need to read God's word differently? For me to say to you that God wants to achieve an incredible victory in your life, but not challenge you and say, you've got to get yourself ready to receive that victory, would be ignoring vast sections of God's word. The Bible says again and again, purify yourself so that God can be at work in your life. If a man cleanses himself from these things, he'll be ready for action. God wants you and I to ready our hearts to receive what he has to say and what he wants to do in our lives. And the best ways I know to do that, the three best ways are to let God's word make its way into my life, to spend time talking to him in prayer, and to spend time around God's people who can encourage me. You're ready yourself. That's how you pack your bag. That's how you get your supplies ready for what God wants to do. That's how you get yourself more alert, more alive to expecting God's will in your life. If you're feeling like, I I don't have any feeling that God's going to do anything great in my life, Why why do you think I'd ever feel that way? The truth of the matter is you should feel that way. 
God's made you to feel that way. And if you're not feeling that way, there are a few simple choices you can make that can begin to turn that around. Spend time in his word. Spend time talking to him. Spend time with his people. Get yourself ready to receive God's promise. A second picture that's here is Joshua says to him, get yourself ready. Then he says, but then wait three days. Get ready, but then wait. What a picture of how God's promise comes into our lives. And so many of us have been disappointed by this. We get our hearts pure. We spend time in God's word. We pray, okay, here I am, God. I I am as ready as I possibly could be. And then nothing happens. And sometimes it's not three days. It feels like three months or three years. And we wonder, what is God doing? Remember that there is a difference between God's will and God's timing in your life. His will is always going to be at work, but now is not always the right time. Now is not always the moment that he wants to work. So you get yourself ready, but then you trust God's timing. And I'll promise you, he will almost always wait longer than you expected. Oh, sometimes, sometimes he'll surprise you and work more quickly than you anticipated. But most of the time, God builds in a delay as we're trusting his promises. Why? Because the delay purifies our hearts to realize we're trusting in him. So during that waiting time, what do you do? You trust God's timing. You trust that God's still at work. Because God's promises for your life are for today. He wants to do something in your life today. There's no doubt about it through his word. He wants to make you a witness today. He wants to make you someone who's living out his character today. He does have something to do in your life today. But the particulars of how that vision is going to be fulfilled in your life, some ministry that you're dreaming about, some relationship that you wish would happen, many times that takes time. So you live in the now, and you also live in trusting God's timing. You get your supplies, and then you wait the three days. And then the scripture says a third truth out of these verses is then take possession of the land. You recognize your possessions. Three days from now, you're going to cross the Jordan and you're going to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. One of your possessions in your life as a follower of Christ is the promises of God. All these things I'm talking about, you may be thinking, oh, this is great, but is it really for me? Isn't this like more for pastors or people of really great faith? No, this is for you. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, all the promises of God for every believer are yes in Jesus Christ. But a possession has to be recognized as yours before you begin to use it as yours. And if you think God's promises are just about other people's lives or just other people's possessions, you're always going to enjoy God working in their lives and never see what he can do in your life. Now, in one way, that can be a safe place to live, just being a spectator Christian, never being on the front lines, but it's not what God has for your life. They are your possession. He wants you to be a part of taking this promise into your life. We'll talk about that just a bit more in a minute. You take possession. But then he says at the end of this, the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You recognize that the promises are your possession, but you also recognize that the promises are a gift. That They're wrapped in grace. They're bought with love. If there was a card on this gift of God's promise, it would be from Jesus because he died for me. That's how the promises become real in my life, these gifts that God has given. So it's a possession. I am an inheritor of God's promise. It's a great gift that he has given me, but it's not one that I brought into my life by my own works. So I can't be prideful about it. I have to be humble about it. That's the power of recognizing the Lord your God is giving this in your life. The minute I get prideful about God's promise in my life, it's just like sand, through a sifter, just it just seems to disappear. 
But the moment I realize that in humility I can recognize him, that solidifies the promise in my life. The Lord your God is giving it. So those four things again. How do I begin to live out God's promise? First, gather supplies. The picture there is you, you ready yourself to receive through God's word, through God's people. You wait three days. You'd be willing to trust God's timing. You take possession. You recognize that the possession is yours, not just others. God wants you to possess his promises. But it's a possession that the Lord is giving. You recognize that the promises are a gift wrapped in God's grace. Now, with all that in mind, let me give you one more picture in this chapter. It's in verses 12 to 14. Verse 12 says, But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may, may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers, so you are to help your brothers. Now, the picture here is that these three tribes, or this two tribes and half tribe, had been given land on the other side of the Jordan. They weren't going to have to cross in order to get the land that they wanted. But Joshua says, remember the command. Your families can stay here. You already possess this land, but you're going to have to go in with the rest of us to fight the battles that have to be fought to take this land. The principle is no one receives release from the struggles of life. No one gets the promises without the battles. No one. No one. In fact, to say this a very simple way, in your life, the greatest battles that you have in your life the greatest battles with a sense of inadequacy or the greatest battles with a temptation or the greatest battles to become all that God wants you to be in your life or the greatest battles to really relate well to others, the greatest battles to have faith, those greatest battles in your life, to win those greatest battles, you must fight the battle. I don't know how many Christians I've met that just don't get this one. They, they want to be like these tribes that would stay on the other side of the Jordan and just say, well, God could just hand me the battle. There'll be no struggle to it. It doesn't work that way. It's a three steps forward, two steps back proposition. There's a lot of battles in living the Christian life. Now, in one sense, there is a truth that God fights my battles for me. There's no doubt about the fact in Scripture that the victory is His. But within His victory, He has battles for you. The battle to trust, the battle to hope, the battle to love. Some people think, God will fight my battles for me. That doesn't work. Some people think others will fight my battles for me. It's your battle, spiritual battle, not theirs. There are some battles that only you can fight. You cannot live on the edge of the promised land forever just gleaning off of other people's battle fighting. God has some battles for you to fight, some faith battles. Some people think I'll fight the battle alone. That's how I'll win it. That doesn't work either. That's the John Wayne way of fighting battles, not the Joshua way of fighting battles. Joshua fought this battle with all the people of Israel. Although you cannot have other people fight your battles for you, you must have other people fight your battles with you in their prayers, in their encouragement, in their teaching, in their presence in your life. So how's it going to be for you when it comes to God's battles? Are you just sitting back right now on the edge of the promised land saying, God will fight the battles for me? What battles does he have for you to fight? He's won the victory, but what battles does he have for you to fight? Are you thinking others will fight the battle for me? You've just been trusting in other people rather than what God wants to do in your life? Are you trying to fight the battle alone? Let's begin to change that today through prayer. That's what God wants to do in our lives through this book of Joshua. He wants to change things. 
So right now in prayer, Lord, we ask that you change our hearts and minds. Help us to learn how to fight our battles, the ones you have for us, within your victory. We can't achieve the victory. It's yours. But you have some battles for us to to face today. We need to trust you like we never have before, to pray like we never have before, to hope in you like never before, to love people like we never have before. And that's a battle because we want to be selfish. We want to let our temptations overwhelm us. So let your spirit win that battle within our lives today as we trust you. Forgive us for sometimes thinking that others will fight the battle for us or trying to fight it all alone. Instead, help us to find those people in our lives that will help us to fight this battle we're facing. Help us to trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to take a bit of a turn, and we're going to begin to look at how you measure out God's vision for your life.